I'm not, I'm not really, not really sure who. I'm not really sure why. I just know what I feel like I'm supposed to do. Somebody here just needs to know somebody loves you. I just want you to know I love you. Just you know the church loves you. Don't care where you've been. Don't care what you've done. The past is past. God put that here eight days ago for somebody. Before, probably before some of you even knew you'd be here. God, God put that there. It's good to remind us that we can't go back and change the past, but it doesn't matter because God's already forgotten when we ask for forgiveness. So we can't go back and change the past, but we can start today to change tomorrow. Amen? Amen. Well, I got some guys. I know they didn't bring my cross out last week, so I'm not supposed to bring me a table out this week. If I bring my table, I sure would appreciate it. I'm going to need it in a little bit. If you want to be turning in your Bibles to the book of John, we have been, for those of you that are visiting, um, just to catch up the pace, we started three weeks ago today um, doing something together as a church. See, I, I, I believe it's important that, that we be united as a church. I believe it's important that the church as a whole be united. You know, we're not gangs and clubs. We're, we're the church. We're the body of Christ. But, but it's important that faith... That's good right there. Let me get over here and make the three stooges. I need to get in on it. I don't want to leave it with two of them. You having some troubles down there? Yes. What's the problem? You see a little hole over there? I know. I'm trying to <laughs> uh, Wait, wait, wait. This is better than the illustration. <laughs> they will never volunteer to help do anything again. Wait, wait. You can't pay for stuff this good. I've been to comedy shows that wasn't so funny. I'll, I'll be back in a minute, y'all. I'm sorry, I can't. No, no, I don't want to get in. I want to see you fix that one. Now, that's the wrong table. I needed the other one. That's the wrong table. I, I didn't need one with all that junk on it. <laughs> you just never know what God has in store. Laughter, laughter is good medicine, right? I um, let me let me let me take this over and put this. I'm, I'm gonna put this right there because somebody somebody's gonna need this in a minute. I'm gonna leave it right there for them. They don't know it yet, but somebody's gonna need it. So we started about three weeks ago just doing something together. It's called reading the Bible. Reading the Bible together. I know a lot of people have Bible reading plans. You read so much a day and and stuff, but this this, this is. One, one, it is to encourage somebody that doesn't have a daily Bible reading plan. You, you need that. You, you need that in your life. You need to read this book if you're a Christian. 
You need to read this book. It, it is instruction. It is health. It is hope. It is life. It is everything. It's every answer to every solution, to every problem. It's every hope. It, it, it's, it's, the, it's about the Christ that walks us through every fire. You need to read this book. So, so it is if somebody doesn't have a, a good reading program to, to help read one chapter of the book of John a day. And we started that a couple weeks ago. For, for those that have an, an hour a day reading habits or more or study, it, it's, the, it's an addition to, but it's, what it's really about is just for us to do something together. That, that's, that's all it is for the body of Christ to begin to do things together that God can bless us together. So we started out by reading one chapter a day uh, of the book of John. And then last week we inherited a prayer. Pray for three things. Number one, thank God. Praise him. Open your prayer with praise. Not number two, ask her for, for forgiveness. Every one of us has got something. And then number three, what was number three? Anybody remember? Cleanse me, use me, give me something to do today. So this week, if you'll pick up your card, in addition, we're going to add one more thing. You get to pray for something specific, something you need God to do in your life. You need God. See, I believe when you pray specifically, God hears specifically. And I believe we ought to pray for specific prayers. So three things in your life, but one of them's got to be for somebody else. See, there's somebody else's marriage is in trouble. Somebody else is sick. Somebody else is falling apart. Somebody else is fighting addiction. Somebody else has got financial problems. Somebody else's home's in trouble. Somebody else's job just got lost. Somebody else needs you to pray for them. And if you want to touch heaven, pray for somebody else. So for week three, I want you to add three specific things to pray. One of them has to be for somebody else. But real quick this morning, if we could just go over John real quick. I want to see what we did together this week. Before we do anything, let's just take a minute and pray. God, thank you so much for being so incredibly good. Thank you for loving us in spite of us the way that you do, God. Thank you that while we were yet sinners, that Christ came and paid the price at Calvary's cross. Thank you, God, for this precious book, this word. Thank you for your sweet Holy Spirit. Thank you for the help you've already given the many in here, God, for the way you've moved in this place. God, I ask you to continue to move. Lord, I pray you touch every heart, every soul in this place. Out through the airways, live stream, protect those on vacation, keep a hedge about them, bring them home safe. But God, I pray you'd even reach through the airways this morning to wherever they are, God. May you give them a special blessing. Lord, I pray you'd touch us, Lord. May you do what only your Holy Spirit can do. Speak to each one of us individually to help us to be what you'd have us to be. We love you, God. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So this week, we... um still in the book of John, and we looked at chapter 8 last week, kind of at the end, and that, that would have been Monday morning, so I'm not going to spend time there. But if you remember, we met the woman at the well, and here's what we learned. It doesn't matter what your sin is, and it doesn't matter how many of them you have. When you are set free by Jesus, you are free indeed. He's not keeping count, and there's no size of the sin. Sin is sin, is separation from God. But when you come to Jesus, and Jesus sets us free, we're free. Chapter 9, we saw a blind man with a backbone. Jesus came, anointed his eyes with some clay, gave him sight. They carried him to the Pharisees. He said, how'd that happen? He said, man, some man named Jesus came by. All I know. And, and they're all been out of shape. And he's like, man, I don't know. All I know is I was blind, and now I see. Anybody know what he's talking about? And, and so they're, they're tearing him down, and they're like, oh, this Jesus, he's not from God, yada, yada, yada. And, and he gets up, and he says, why does it bother you? That, that you don't know where he came from. If he was evil, God, God wouldn't hear him. Since the world began, no man has given sight to someone that was born blind. If Jesus weren't from God, he couldn't do these things. Well, you know, that set well with the religious elite, right? 
the Pharisees and part of the Sanhedrin council are like, you're born in sin and you're going to teach us? So, so they're asking, he says, all I know is that this man, Jesus, restored my sight. Now, in verse number 10, we, we learn the importance of some personal decision because in spite of the evidence, the Pharisees still won't believe in Jesus. Some of them can't deny the miracle. The Bible says that there was division among them that, and that, that some wanted to believe but others couldn't. So what we learn is personal decision matters when it comes to Jesus Christ. Some people wanted to believe, but they walked away because of the peer pressure of others. We went to chapter 10. We learned that Jesus was the good shepherd. We, we learned that he, he takes care of his sheep. Verse number 15, he said, As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. Now, verse number 16 is incredibly important for you and I because he's talking to the Jew, but he's talking about you. He's talking about me. He, he says, Other sheep I have. Man, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, that, you, that it wasn't just about the Jew. Calvary ain't just about the Jew. Calvary was about a sinner just like me, on my way to hell, separated from God, and needed redemption. Calvary was about you, all your sin, all your messes, everything to be cleansed. He said, I've got other sheep, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. That goes very well with our messages in being united and being better together. Jesus Christ created the church to be one. One family, one body. So we learned that there's an appointed hour that Jesus would lay down his life freely for forgiveness of sin and that there would be an appointed day and appointed time when he would take his life up again to offer us eternal life. Verse number 19 says that again there was division among them. Again, we see the importance of personal choice. Listen, don't let somebody else's foolishness keep you from being saved. Don't let somebody else's foolishness keep you from living for the Lord. You can say, well, I'll get it later. I'll do this. I'll wait. Listen, you can't put it off too long. Hebrews 9, 27 says, point unto man wants to die. After this, the judgment. You can make every excuse that you want. And they sound great to you because the excuse sounds good to the one making the excuses. But when that day comes and we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, when we stand before the, the righteous judge, at that point, it doesn't matter why you didn't get saved. All that matters is that you didn't get saved. And hell is forever. Verse number 24, the Pharisees, they asked Jesus point blank, if you are the Christ, then tell us. And he told them, and they still didn't believe him. We're all the same way today. All we can do is tell them. Ezekiel says it's our job to sound the trumpet. Chapter 11, Lazarus is dead and in the grave. Everybody knows the stories of Lazarus. You start out reading, you're like, well, I'll go ahead and read it because we're supposed to read this chapter today, so you read it. And you know how the story goes. They sent for Jesus. He waited. He comes late, and he's four days late. But what we learn is that Jesus is always on time. There's been times in my life, and I'm pretty sure I'm not alone, that in my mind, Jesus wasn't on time. Anybody, anybody, amen? There's been some storms in my life that lasted too long. There's been some trials that didn't get handled the way I thought they should have. There's been some sicknesses that didn't get healed the way I wanted them healed. I'm just saying, there's been some times when Jesus seemed like to me was late, but what he showed us is that he's always on time. If you remember, he shows up and it's the fourth day, right? And, and what you tell him by now, he stinketh. See, here's why it's important. There's a Jewish custom, Jewish tradition, all by then anybody could possibly come back for three days. 
anybody could come back. There was a possibility of anybody coming back from the dead for three days. So had Jesus come day one, two, or three, it could have just been happenstance. He just happened to call him out of the tomb. He'd already come back. But on the fourth day, by Jewish custom, by Jewish law, all hope is lost. There is nothing now. But because Jesus showed up on the fourth day, he showed that he has power over death. That's important to you and I. Has power over death. Verse number 50, we learn that Caiaphas, the high priest, made an intelligent statement. He didn't even know it. God used him to prophesy when he thought he was, was being facetious against Jesus Christ. He said, chapter 11, verse 49, one of them named Caiaphas, being high priest same year, said unto them, you know nothing at all, nor consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and that the whole nation perish not. Just speaking not of himself, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for the nation. Little did he know that God was going to use him to be the one to lead the charge to pay the price for all of mankind, right? Not for that nation only, but he should also gather together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad. It is prophecy fulfilled. Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world. Chapter 12, we see that the Pharisees, they don't just want to kill Jesus, they want to kill Lazarus. Because of the miracle, because he called Lazarus out of the tomb, the Bible says that many people believe, so now they want to kill Lazarus. Can I just ask you a question? What's that going to change? If I saw Lazarus called out of the tomb and I believe in Jesus Christ, you can kill Lazarus if you want to. It ain't going to change nothing. But that's just the mentality of man. That's just mankind. We just we want what we want. We want to do things the way we want to do them. Chapter 13, we have a verse. I, I know I use it. I, I use this scripture right here more than any other. I know. Some people may go, my, why, why do you use that every week? I, I'm sick of hearing that verse. I don't know. I understand. I use it a lot. Maybe one day when we get it right, the Holy Spirit will take it from my memory. We won't. But John chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus said, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another. As I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. There is no this plus anything. It's not, hey, they'll know you're my disciple if you do this plus. Listen, you can be in he's alive all you want. You can play Jesus and he's alive. That won't let them know that you're a Christian. You can serve in ministries. You can, you can do whatever you want. You could have been in judgment journey for X number of years. You can be in the choir. You can come to church on Sunday morning. None of that. It's not this plus anything. How do they know that you have love one for another? You know what that means? I love the brethren, which means I love the church, which means I love going to the church, and I love being around the brethren. And if we love the church, it shows. It's not a checklist item. This is the best time of my week. This is the best time of our week. It won't get any better than right now. This is the time we all get to be together with brothers and sisters in Christ to lift high the praises, to lift up his name. Yes, we can come at anything on a study event. We can come here on Wednesday night. But when we get to come to the house of God, that is the best time of a week for a child of God. It's not a checklist item. It is a highlight item. They know that we love the Lord because we love each other and we love being part of the family. Chapter 13, we, we learn that we're supposed to care for one another, support one another, take care of one another, pray for one another. Chapter 14, this is this morning. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I hope some of you got to do your reading this morning. It, it's, it's not every day but Sunday, right? It's one chapter a day. So if, if you got to do your reading this morning, if not, I'm not going to spoil it for you. I'm going to hype you up. 
This ain't like telling you, this is not like telling you the score before it comes if the score is really good, right? You know what I'm talking about? Y'all ever watch a game that you know the final score to? Thank you. Yeah, come on, Tyrone. I mean, I mean, if, listen, if they show the replay of last year's national championship game, this is watching it. The SEC championship, quit cutting me off. If they show the SEC championship and ain't coming on my TV, because I already know what happened. I'm not going to watch something to make me miserable, right? Why did I get into that? Can anybody tell me what I was preaching on? Oh, excitement. Yeah, excitement. So we, we started out our day exciting. We started out, Jesus Christ said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. In my Father's house or what? Many matches. If it weren't, I saw, I would have told you. He said, I go to prepare a place for who? You. Who's you? Me. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and I prepare it, I'm going to come again. I'm going to get you. I'm going to receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. That's how we, listen, we ought to be having church this morning. That, that's how we started out our day if we read the chapter to know that Jesus Christ is working on something and he's coming back to get us. But he said in verse number 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. I will pray to the Father. He shall give you another comforter that, it may, that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it, it seeth not. Neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I shall not leave you comfortless. I would hate to try to imagine going through one day of this life in the modern day present world that we're in without the Holy Spirit of God living in me. I would hate to try to get through the trials and all that's going on in this life without the comforter, the peace of God living inside of him. In verse 26, Jesus said that the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I've said unto you. Peace I'll leave with you. Anybody need that? My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give unto you, but let not your heart be troubled, Neither let it be afraid. In the morning, we're in John chapter 15. Visitors, this is where you get to pick up with us. If, if, you're, if you haven't been reading, it's okay. Listen, and i tell you something. This is not a done to you. If you're like, well, I wish he wouldn't do that when he started out because I didn't read it. That's okay. This is not to beat anybody here up. This is to try to help you. This is to try to help us. In the morning is chapter 15. If you're behind, I want you to do something. Don't, don't worry about catching up. Chapter 15 in the morning. If you're ahead, you're not following the plan. The plan's not to get us to read the book of John. That's not the plan. The plan is to get this church united to do something together. So if you read the whole book of John the first day and now you're through, no, you're not. I want you to back up in the morning. It's chapter 15 so that we're all doing something together and that we're praying in one accord. God use this church. God use this body. God use us. Unite us at one that, that we may be one. Amen. So this morning, I'm going to be very brief. I know y'all don't believe that, but I am since that's half of it. But it's half of it that's necessary. That's the part that God gave me for part one. So now if you want to open your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 
I do believe this is probably the final part of this. God hasn't given me anything beyond this. I, I thought maybe last week was the final week, but I knew he had put 1 Corinthians chapter 12 on my heart. I, I tried to pass it off since God had already done Sunday school on it a couple, three weeks ago and did an incredible job there. But I know God has something in part three. Chapter 12, verse number 12, 1 Corinthians, Paul writes, For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been made all to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member but many. If the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If if the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God sent set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased who? So see, this really doesn't have anything to do with pleasing us, does it? Verse number 19, if they were, if they were all one member, where were the body? But now there are many members, yet one body. Thank you. You guys can be seated. Somebody tell me what is the least important part of your body? What did they say? Huh? I probably don't want to know that, do I? See, where will the hearing be? Y'all know I can't hear. Parts are important. I was thinking about stuff like the gallbladder. They say it's not important. I mean, they take them out. A lot of, it, a lot of, a lot of you don't have gallbladders. They, they took them out. But it's not that the gallbladder wasn't important. It's just that it got to messing up and it's causing a problem, so they had to take it out. Now, it really is important. Y'all know it has a function, right? Like the liver that, that siphons all the blood and purifies the blood, but it also produces bile and it drops into the gallbladder. It's like the holding cell so that when we eat, and anybody love to eat? We're Baptists. I know you love to eat. So when we eat, that it, it releases that bile into the small intestine to help us digest food. So it really is important. But it gets full of sludge, it gets full of stuff, and it messes up, and it begins to cause a lot of problems. So here's the truth. They can take your gallbladder out, and you can keep on living, right? That doesn't mean it's not important. How many of you want them to take all ten of your fingers off? Now they can, and you can go right on living just like the gallbladder. But it's not going to be quite as good, is it? What about, what about the arms or, or even the legs? They, they can take off members of the body, and, and it's not like it's going to kill the body. The body can't keep on living. But anybody agree that it's going to make some things extremely inconvenient? It's going, to, it's going to change some things, right? The fact is, every part of the body is important. And if one part of the body isn't working, that just makes it harder for the rest of the body to function. Something has to compensate. You know what I'm talking about? Somebody like you, your back's hurting on this side. Before long, you start having knee problems on this side. You know why? Because you're compensating for it. So, so if any part is not functioning right, everything pays the price. I, I need three people to help me. I know you two. Y'all, y'all, still, y'all want to try to help again or y'all about done? That was it for you. Yeah, go ahead. I, I need three people. I, I need three. Yeah, one more stooge. Three of you. All right. So y'all stay right there. I got, no, stay right there. Right, right there. Right there. You're fine right there. Right, I got something for you to do. All I need on this little rope right here is I need that knot untied. Anybody want to do that one for me? Come on. Come here. 
It's not hard. It's not tight. It's, listen, you, you stand right here. You, you stand right here. Uh, that one right there, not the little one. That's to keep it from coming apart. That one right there. See it? Now, don't start yet. Don't, listen, don't be messing me up. Don't be untying it before I'm ready. This one, this one's even simpler. It's a little league baseball bat. Straight barrel, simple to get. All it's got is a piece of three and a half inch white tape on it. I need you to take the tape off the bat. That's simple enough. Who wants to take the tape off? You got that? Come on, come on. You get to take the tape off. Now, not yet. You just hold it. You stay right there. You don't have to have anything. You know, all, all you got to do, you, you see that door right up there in the middle of the church? Uh-huh. The middle door's right there. Yeah. All I want you to do is go right down those steps, right up there, touch that door, and come back right here. Can you handle that? Yeah. All right, we're going to do it on three, but before we do, I got to give you the rules. I want you to untie this knot right here. Put your thumbs like this because you can't use them. I don't care what you use. You can't use your thumbs. So, so all I want you to do is untie that knot. If your thumbs touch it, you disqualified. You ready? All right, there you go. All right, you did good. Wait, you go. What did I say? Go. Don't be cheating. Now, all you got to do is get the tape off. Let me see back. You see it? There ain't no tricks to it. It starts right there. ends right there. It just goes around at one time. Nothing fancy. Turn this tape. All I want you to do is take the tape off. You handle that? But you can't use your hands. No hands. All you got to do is get that tape off. No hands. There you go. What are you touching with your hand for? You don't have any hands. You got arms. You just don't have hands. Good luck. All you got to do is touch that door. And come back right. <laughs> and come back right here. Mm-hmm. Only rule: you don't have any feet. Do I have legs? You got legs. Okay. You just don't have any feet. <laughs> there you go. You have no feet. All right. All right. On three. Everybody ready? One, two, three. Go. <laughs> if he gets hurt, it's on a volunteer basis. I'm not responsible. I probably should have told you where that rope's been before you put it in your mouth, but it really don't matter now. The tape, not that end, the tape. So we have one that accomplished this task. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you our rebuttal. Stand up. You can use your thumbs. You can use your hands. Get the tape off and untie the knot. Well, you're the one that tied us. It tied. It wasn't tight. I didn't tell them what kind of tape it was. If you're not in the mobile home business, you don't know nothing about that kind of tape. Thank you. I get the bat back. You can keep the tape. Don't stick it to nobody. Wad that up. I know what you're going to do. You're going to stick around somebody's arm and pull all the hair off. You, you got your knot done yet? Okay, go on back and have a seat. Let me know when you get done.
Okay, so, so, so whether you finish or not, is it easier? Thank you, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you guys very much. I, I, I appreciate you up with that. Isn't it amazing how much easier it is to do the exact same job just using all the body parts? I mean, the thumb's not that big a deal, right? Try eating lunch today without it. Kind of like my brother said, try, try eating a bowl of cereal without your elbow. Don't bend it. The example that, that he gave that day. The, the same thing is true in the church. Every part of the body is important. Every member of the body, everybody here is, is important. We, we are supposed to be put together as one body of Christ that God may use us all together. Unity is strength. I said unity is strength. Especially unity in prayer. When we all come in one accord into the throne room of God each morning and we just read one chapter and say a short little prayer, but we do it together, there, there's strength in it. So, so here's the truth. It's important for every one of us to be here, but not just be here. Well, well oh, I go to church. Well, that, that's fine. I have two arms. But what if they have no strength? What if they, what if they have no motion to them? They're just there. Then they're really, they're a little bit, I mean, I can't even talk without my hands. Y'all get that, right? Like, this is really messing me up right now because I can't use my hands. How are you supposed to get words out with old limp arms? Every part of the body is important to not just be there but to be involved. A, a part of the body there that, that is weak, that's not plugged in, that doesn't, that doesn't come to serve, it is a part that, that the devil can use. I, and people go, well, well as, long as, I can, as long as I just came to church, right? No, that's not right. It's be involved in church. It's being involved. See, the, the, the job is to disciple one another. Iron sharpeneth iron. That, that we grow together, that, that, that we work together. So let me ask you this. Why, why would it be important for you to be strong as a Christian? If, if this is just Christians, that's a Christian and this is a Christian. When the storm comes and the wind blows and the, and the hail falls in the storm... Which Christian would you want to be? One that's been praying? One that's been studying? One that's been reading the Word of God? One that's been through the fire? One that's been... Listen, this, this is like this because it, it was tried by fire. That's what made the brick. This was clay tried by fire. This has been through a process. This has been through some stuff to become what it is. Or you want to be that? Because when the storm comes, bottom line, storm brings pressure... And for the weak Christian, you're not going to be able to stand the pressure. So why is it important for you to be a strong Christian? Well, that's enough personally, but what about the church? The church is made up of us, right? So we're all Christians. J.B. Brown used bricks one time, and he kept pulling little sections out in Sunday school. And he used the example for when one's missing, and he would take holes out of the brick, and he would take one out. And each time he'd take one out, he'd say, you know, eventually you're going to take enough out so that when you take one too many out, that it falls. And he was using the, the, the importance of the example of you being here. But it's more than just being here. It's being here and being strong. It's being here and being one that reads the Word of God. It's, it's being here and being one that, that, that is strong in, in your faith. Because strength matters. Because if this is the church, that's going to be pretty hard to tear down, right? See, a lot of today is about building a church. But in, in the wrong standard. A church is not about numbers. 
The church is not about how many can we get here today. The church is about how many are serving God. If we're not discipling what's here, then we're not doing any good. If you come in here and you get nothing, you, the worship was nothing, the, the sermon was nothing, you walk out with nothing, then you got nothing. So you came in this way and you walked out this way. Well, there, there's a lot of churches being built on nothing. There's a lot of churches. It's become a lot more important to make sure you got a coffee shop with donuts in the foyer than to have the Word of God in the house. There's a lot of, well, there's not a lot. There are some, and I'm just going to leave it at that, that do some stupid things. I'll go ahead and say it. Oh, we put beer out in the foyer because if we can get them to come, we can get them saved. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. You can't put stuff of the world in God's house and use that as a trick. The Apostle Paul didn't go into the cities with garbage. He walked into the cities armed with the Word of God. He walked into the cities and he preached the gospel. You want to change the lives of men? Teach them the gospel. You want to change? You want to make Christians strong? Teach them the gospel. Help them learn to read. Help them learn to study. Help them learn to be one, that we be strong Christians. And then God can take a church and do something. You know, you can do all that stuff, and you can build a great big church. But if you build a great big church full of casual Christianity, all you got to do is leave that door open one time and let a little breeze blow in here. And this church will fall. And you go, but wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What, what about the new Christian? He just got saved, right? The, Paul says that we're on milk. Now, some of you, this isn't a scapegoat for you. You've been saved 15, 20 years. You've been in church. You don't get to go back to milk. Paul talks about that, about being on milk. He says, you ought to be on some meat now, but, but you're still in need of some milk because you're weak in your faith. He says, that's because you've not put your time into it. But here's the deal. If the church is built strong around it and you bring a new Christian in, then he's got a place to come in and be surrounded and be protected where he can grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. So if you build a strong church, then you have a way for new Christians to come in and learn things about the Word of God. So what kind of Christian do you want to be? You know, the strongest Christians are the ones that have been through the trials. We talk about it a lot. Our greatest faith can only be as big as our greatest trial. And the only way faith can get any bigger is to go through something harder than anything you've ever been through. And I've told you before, that's why I'm content. As small as my faith is, leave it right there because I don't want to go through nothing. I'm, 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 I'm fine, honestly. That, that's what it takes, and that's what it takes. God teaches us stuff. But, you know, God, God teaches us that he doesn't need for us to be great. He just needs for us to be a willing vessel. God's not expecting anything great out of you. He's looking to do something great in you. He's just looking for us to do the simple stuff. Just spend time with him. He just wants to talk to us. He's our best friend, right? We talk to our best friends. We text them. I told you before, send God a text. Whatever works for you. You spend all the time on your phone, text him. Send him an email. Put something in there. Whatever it takes, communicate with God. There ain't nothing wrong writing your prayers down anyway. Text it out to God. Send it to him. I forgot where I was at. I keep getting lost. Apparently the Holy Spirit kept me somewhere other than where I'm supposed to be going. All God needs is a willing vessel. You know, when Jesus was headed 
to the crucifixion. That's where he knew he was going. He's going into Jerusalem. We call it triumphal entry. Comes down this aisle right here on the donkey. He's headed to the cross. He knows exactly where he's going. You remember what he told the disciples? Go over here to this house and there'll be a colt tied up there of which no man has ever sat upon. Get him and bring him. If anybody asks, just say the Lord hath need of him and he'll bring him. So, so we have, he says it's a colt, the fall of an ass. That, that means it, it's, a, it's a baby donkey. It's a young donkey. Here's what he said. He's never been sat upon. He's never been trained. He's never been ridden. He's never been taught. He's never been broken. He's just a donkey. But I need you to bring him to me. You know, you know what we learn is that Jesus doesn't need some intelligent creature. All he needs is a willing vessel. All he needs is somebody who just says, here I am, Lord. Just, just, just use me. The apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2. See, I told you what happened if the wind blew. Verse number 15, Paul said, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Everybody in Awana knows it is founded on the verse. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. What he says is stay away from gossip. Stay away from backbiting. Stay away from slandering other people with your lips, from tearing other people down. Spend your time studying, not slandering. Spend your time praying and not gossiping. Spend your time reading the Word of God and not the garbage that they put out there on Facebook. There's two scriptures posted in the foyer of the church. Matthew 6, 33 is, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. You know why that's there? Because I believe it. Anybody believe that? And what does it say, seek first? Kingdom of God and his righteousness. That one to me is the New Testament version of what God gave me before he made me pastor. And that's Jeremiah 33 over here. When God said, call unto me and I will answer thee. I will show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I believe that. I believe we'll call on God, he'll show us things. I I believe it's in his own time. You know that, that, that song that says, my God can do anything. Anything, anything. My God can do anything. He made this earth and all its fullness and all that time shall bring. My God can do anything. Well, see, that's not entirely true. Yes, God can meet your every need, take care of your every situation, meet you in the fire. But, you know, people, people like to ask their stupid question or trying to bait you if God can do anything. Can he make a rock so big that he can't pick it up? Well, obviously, one of the two answers has got to be no, right? You want to go ahead and mess with him right to start with and just shut that game up? God can't do everything. He can't remember one of my sins that's been washed under the blood. Separated as far as the east is and the west, never to be remembered again. Never to be brought up. All of my sins, forgiven and forgotten. God can't remember my sin. God also can't can't guide a vessel that's not moving. If the ship's tied up in the harbor doing nothing, God can't guide that that won't go anywhere. God needs for his children to get out and set sail to be used. But God also can't strengthen that that won't pray. God can't strengthen that that won't study. God can't build a church that won't serve him one one accord and do things together. So the challenge is we're better together. Week week three of three. Lord willing, I don't don't see us going back there again, but I'll do whatever God wants us to do. But I do know this. God has an important challenge for this church. And I believe it's to build the unity in this church. To build us together to do whatever it is that God's about to do. There's not a doubt in my mind God's got a plan coming. I know that. 
And I know that he's not going to tell me what it is until he's ready to go forward because he knows how I am. I can't stand it. I start nibbling on it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But God can't do anything until we become one. Until all the slandering and all the backbiting and anybody says about anything, all that's got to go. When, when, you hear, when you hear something about somebody that's maybe going through something or maybe, have, maybe having a problem, don't get involved in the gossip. You want to know a great way to stop gossip from coming to you? I've already told you, one, you can walk away from it. But I can, I can promise you, I can promise you if you'll do this, they will not come back to you. They come, they're gossiping, they want to tell you about somebody, and you sit there and listen like you're interested, and you get all the story and say, man, that's terrible. We need to pray for them, don't we? Come here. And put your arm around and start praying. They will never come to you again. Because you just messed up their whole world because they came to get some juicy junk. And what they got was help deliver somebody from the very problem they were talking about. When we become one and we love one and pray for one and can all put our arms around each other in spite of all of our differences and all of our problems and all of our stuff, God can do something with that. When we're all reading the Bible together and praying together, when God builds this, it is the gates of hell cannot prevail against God's church. But it's up to you and I. You know the best way to be a part of a really strong church? Work on the man in the mirror. Boy, not one amen in the house. The best way to build a strong church, work on the man in the mirror. Because if everybody right here just reads John this week, just prays this week, just seeks to serve God, if we work on the man in the mirror, we'll come back stronger next week. And eventually, God can push this old ship to sail again. God can put us to do a mighty work, but he can't guide that that won't move. Amen? If you guys would stand right where you are. Listen, I'm going to ask you this morning. I'm going to ask you one. Would, would, you just, would you just pray for each other right here? I, I want you to pray for this church. It doesn't matter to me if God wants us to be 200, 2,000. It doesn't matter to me. I do want to be Gideon's army, regardless of the size. I just want us to be an army that cannot fail. It's not afraid to do anything God says do, to go forward. I want to be somebody that God can use. We pray, God help us. God, God help us reach this town. Help us change our hometown with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can't pray that if we're not willing to go out and reach this town with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to change our town that it might change our county, change our region, change our surroundings that eventually might change the world. We can't do that unless we want to say, God, use me. Help us to change this town one soul at a time. Start with me. I, I want you guys, the altar's open. You can use the altar. You can pray where you are. I understand you don't have to gather at a certain place to pray. But I would ask you if we could all pray in unison, if we could all pray together for all the children of God, can we pray, God, Make this a mighty church. Not mighty in numbers. That, that's irrelevant. Mighty to serve you. Mighty to be used. That souls might be saved in a multitude. Pray for this church. Pray for the souls of this church. Those in there, brothers and sisters in Christ. If you have any ought against any brother in anywhere, fix it. Get it right. Jesus said, leave your gift at the altar and you go take care of your ought with the brethren. When you get that straight, then you come back. And offer your praise, offer your gift. If you got any all, fix it.
Can we all just pray in one accord? I ask your heads bowed, eyes closed. You gotta just pray where you are. I do have a question. Is there anybody in here this morning that you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? It's one simple question, and you are the only person in this building that knows the answer to this question. Your mom and daddy don't know. Your children don't know. We can put on a show, come to church. One simple question. When I die, I know I'm going to heaven. Is that a true statement? You're the only one that knows the answer. When I die, I'm going to heaven. That's a true statement. If that's not a true statement and you don't know that, would you like to change it? Because you can. Praise God. The word of God uses the word, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever is anybody from every walk of life, from every culture, your past don't matter. Troubles and trials don't matter. Your financial situation don't matter. The language you speak don't matter. The color of your skin don't matter. It's all level at the cross. It's all about Jesus Christ and the cross of Calvary. If you're willing to come to Jesus and say, Father, I am a sinner. For all of sin, it comes short of the glory of God. So we know we're a sinner. I'm a sinner, and I'm asking you, Lord, to come into my heart. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin. Father, I'm asking you to save my soul in Jesus' name. Not lip service, heart surrender. Not with my lips, Lord, I'm asking you to save me, but with my heart. Lord, I give you my heart. I'm asking you from this day forward, will you guide my life? Will you help me to please you, God? I just want to be pleasing to you. If you say a prayer and ask God, you can be saved right where you are right now. Right here in this church, live stream, YouTube, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what day of the week it is. Doesn't matter if you listen to this on down the road. The blood of Jesus is always sufficient for the salvation of souls. Amen. You guys pray. They're going to sing one song. Go ahead, Greg.